podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, it's Monday, and you know what that means. It's 40-20, not live. I've got one of those uh, lights like the influencers have, but you can see it in the eyes. Um, and the shed, which is why I couldn't go to St. Helens today to speak to all the stars of the Women's Super League. But we've got a former star of the Women's Super League on the programme today. Uh, not overexposed on TV just yet. It's Danica Prim. How are you, Danica? I feel a little bit overexposed at the minute. Oh, as a cat. Dead as a cat. Um, yeah, I'm really good. I'm good, tired after the weekend. I'm not going to lie, but uh, very good indeed. Is that tired and emotional? Yeah, I, I was very emotional. I was very emotional. And not, not just because of the girls, not because of Leeds, but what a wicked occasion. What a wicked venue. So... <laughs> I was, I, I was surprised you wore a green coat because there are people who think you're not really at these games. When you and Tanya did the Super League show a few weeks ago at Hull, there was someone online who thought that you weren't really there and you'd been CGI'd in. I think, bloody hell, how much budget do you think they've got? No, I drove all the way to Hull. Um, yeah, right. Do you know what? I've had a lot of random feedback about this coat. It was a bit bold. It was very good. I said green. to myself about. Yeah, well, I said three weeks crucible? ago. Uh, do you know what? I had plenty of offers. Plenty of offers for costumes, but off my own back, I chose this one. So, um, yeah, I went for it. I said I wanted a big green green blazer, and I got a green blazer, and I couldn't have been any more green if I tried. I mean, it was neutral, you know. I mean, the, probably, the only, probably won't the, wear green again, from no. my feedback. Well, <laughs> I, don't know why dis- I, say, I don't know why you're discussing fashion with the two of us. There couldn't be two less um, exponents of it. Um, and after last after last week, I'm not standing up. I'm I'm, I'm staying in this chair for the full oh. full duration of the program. Um, should, should we start with the women's final? Since, since you're here and and you were pitch side and you had a different view than we did, so we can talk about it in, in general terms. First of all, because people are saying they didn't like the triple, they don't like triple headers, not like double headers, not like anything. No one likes anything. I mean, I thought it was a, a good day overall, but. Do you think the women's final is big enough now at this minute to be a standalone event or does it work better as part of a triple header where you may get people drifting in for the second game and Mm. get exposed to the product, so to speak? Double edge, isn't it? Because you're looking at over 4,000 for the grand final, um, which is end of season kind of stuff. So maybe slightly bigger than maybe what the challenge could, but this time of year would have been. Um, I like a triple header. I think the occasion makes it. I think, like you say, like there's people that I haven't seen rugby, women's rugby league before that have got something to come in for a bit early for. It gives a bit of a build-up to the next couple of games. I like it. Um, and I think that for the girls as well, like we wouldn't get to play at Ellen Road had it not been for a triple header. You know, so um, yeah, I like it. And I think ideally we're looking at being a double header at the, at the Challenge Cup final. You know, and that would be the ultimate, but we're still building. And I think, you know, there's some record numbers both at the stadium and both on BBC. So we're getting there. We're getting there. But for now, I quite like it. I mean, I like it. It it, it, definitely works. I mean, I I was um, chatting to Chris Radlinski before the women's game kicked off, who was very, very keen to see what was happening, which is great. Um, Mm. And he was saying... Uh, because of the configuration of the stadium, matches one and three had the main dressing rooms. So yeah. the women, the women's game had the main um, changing facilities at the stadium. And Wigan and St Helens, who arguably was the biggest men's game 
uh, rank, ranked between those two matches, they had to change in the, uh, the porter cabins outside, which he yep. was saying just shows you how far the women's game has come. I, I have here the programme from yesterday. And the front cover of the match day programme is the women's game. It's not the two men's semi-finals. And 6,000 people um, just short of there for the women's game. Again, another record. Wouldn't have happened if he hadn't had those men's games. Cleverly um, scheduled so that St. Helens fans could get there early and see both of their teams. Um, why does it not work? The number of people that were on Twitter in the days beforehand saying £25 is too expensive. You go, well, just hang on a minute. That's a seven-hour extravaganza for 25 quid. If it's any less than that, you are demeaning all the products. It, it absolutely works. It doesn't. It didn't even matter that it wasn't full and that occasionally it looked when fans were, were swapping seats that um, you know you could see empty empty seating and, and terracing. The atmosphere inside the ground for all three games was tremendous. Yeah, it was mega. There's a fine line, isn't there? You're never going to please everybody. Um, and for some of our girls whose families and friends just might never have seen rugby league before and just wanted to go and watch their game, maybe for me, like it's difficult to say, but £25 is quite a lot for a women's game. If you're going to get the, the best of the best, then you're going to get all, yeah, then, then for seven hours, it's an absolutely wicked price, isn't it? But then there's no way to manage the, the games, is there? Unless you have like a block where everyone goes, right, you've got to leave now or whatever. But there were some £12.50 tickets as well behind the sticks and whether you wanted them or not, they're worth it. there were other prices. And it, that's my biggest worry at the minute. There's been a couple of games when I went to watch the girls play at Huddersfield Giants and that was a double header. It would have cost me £22 to go and watch those two games. And okay, it's different occasion and bigger occasion, but we've got to be realistic at the minute with the pricing for the women at least. But for all three of them, it was great. But it also says you've got to put on more of a show, that if you get people in a venue for seven hours, you've got to give them something. You've got to give them great entertainment yeah. between the games. You've got to give them, um, I don't know, d decent food facilities. Perhaps, you know, the, uh, maybe the one thing that was missing on uh, Saturday was some kind of a fan zone because um, yeah. there isn't anything to do in or around Ellen Road. But as an event, um, and the other thing we've got to take into consideration is clearly it's a lot cheaper for the BBC to set up their cameras and show three games um, all at once. That's a benefit to one of your major broadcasters. Yeah. And you get the whole day on major BBC channels, which, again, you wouldn't get if you split the men's semifinals and perhaps even had the women's as a standalone event. I, I couldn't see a negative there. I really couldn't. You're a positive person. No, well, that's the problem. Yeah, but I think there's an outlook, isn't there? Like, if you don't like it, and just don't watch it or don't go to it. Like, you're going to complain on Twitter and then turn up anyway. You, your point's invalid. So... But if you're going to complain on Twitter and not turn up at all, then you are part of the problem of complaining about there not being enough people there. And I think what it shows us is there is going to be an issue um, throughout the season and certainly leading up to the major events that are coming. And Magic will be a bit of a litmus test for this. Is clearly the cost of living crisis is hitting really hard in our traditional areas, more than probably it is in uh, the rest of the country. And that's always been the case in industrial decline. Something like, you know, the fuel prices being what they are um, really desperately affects us. And people are being made 
to make some really difficult choices. Um, and, and that will affect their provision to do a luxury item like going to a sporting event. Uh, and it may well be that we're going to struggle with that now till the end of this year. Uh, but that, I really don't see why people are getting too upset about 22,000 people being at the semi-finals. It's an absolutely average attendance for the last few years for the men's semis, and you've got the women's final thrown in as well. So stop complaining. Yes, but with the in the in the you know I don't like people complaining, but with that in mind and the current crisis and where everybody's at the minute is putting a twenty-five pound minimum semi-final and the Challenge Cup final pretty much within the same month, or should you like leave a gap really for people to regroup by? And then there's travel, isn't there? Like I'm going down to the Challenge Cup final and. The train tickets for two of us are 130 quid. It's quite a significant payout before you even bought the tickets. But then they want Magic Weekend, which is in two months. There's individual supporters who will be going to the option of going to Catalan and or Toulouse or possibly both. So you do have to manage the season. Um, so where do you want your numbers? Where do you want your numbers? Do you want your numbers at Magic Weekend? Do you want your numbers at the Challenge Cup final? Well, that's what we've got to decide, isn't it? Or if Magic Weekend should be an extra round. That, that's the other thing. That, um, and loop fixtures as well is extra cost. Um, yeah. So, you know, clearly that needs to be factored in because it becomes false economy after a while if um, you're expecting more fixtures to bring you more fans and they actually bring you less because they're not affordable anymore. And this was off the back of a bank holiday Monday. And I know it's impossible because of the Challenge Cup coming in the week after. Well, it's not impossible. You can rearrange things. A bank holiday Monday where there's no rugby league. Yeah, well, you know, playing at somewhere like Ellen Road means that you have to tie in for the, the football season as well, doesn't it? So I get it. And, and, and playing at Spurs or whatever. But there's there's going to be complaints. And then there's ground for the complaints. And there's, there's ground where you can, you can kind of agree or disagree or appreciate where people are coming from. But ultimately... I thought it was bloody brilliant on Saturday. Yeah, we didn't have to go into the uh, media gents' toilets, which uh, I don't think have cleaned since that standard's been built. But that's uh, that's a, a, a complaint. I didn't have to go into any gents' toilets. Well, no, I, I just 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 to three avoidance of doubt there, just to clear that up, <laughs> just, just in case you thought otherwise. Just a check. Just uh, a check. Just a check. The game itself, um, St Helens, they won again, but um, this great narrative that we're building up now. So it starts when Leeds won everything. And beat St. Helens in the semi. So that's going back to 2019, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So then, then so Leeds, Leeds are here and Saints are here. Then COVID happens. And then it swaps over because Saints sign Amy Hardcastle. They beat Leeds in the semi-final. Sorry to remind you of that. Win the final against York. Win, win the grand final. But now it's like the gap's got a bit, bit smaller because Leeds nearly won on Saturday. And that can only be a good thing here for Leeds. B for St. Helens because it gives them more competition. And C for everyone, because it means we're going to have some close games coming up later in the season between the pair. And I don't mean to say there's only two teams in the competition before all the players from York come and like me tweets again. No, to be fair, you know, in that semi-final that leads against York, York were unlucky not to win that. Mm. And Leeds were very lucky to, to take the win at the very end. You know, there's a few things. Leeds didn't turn up for the first, you know, uh, start one started slow at least anyway. And I think York were the, the slightly better team. And the semi-finals. So, if that is the case, then it means to me that there are top two, three teams at the top, and uh, I won't write York off at all. The game itself, well, I think that's the best bit of rugby I've seen Leeds play in a couple of seasons. That first half, 
I thought the way that they moved, I thought the way they defended was typically 2018-2019 Leeds Rhinos. And whether that's because of the structure of how the Challenge Cups run and having lots of games, whether it's that, that's because they had a tougher semi-final than, than St. Helens did or not and had a little bit of a fear put into them about how tight and how tough it could be. Um, or whether it's that Saints are, you know, you can crack Saints and they just haven't been cracked properly yet. And, and we've kind of done it, I think. We put the, they, they put the fear in Saints in that first half, without a doubt. And you could see them... Like stopping Amy Hardcastle, she didn't do anything that game, I don't think, like respectfully. But that's down to Leeds being shutting her down, you know, and, and putting Hannah Butcher in the centres against her, who can tackle anything, was a great shout. Um, and I think in the second half, unlucky with, uh, you know, you'd put your mortgage on Courtney getting that kick normally, wouldn't you? Um, and to go for the two rather than to take momentum and keep going for the for potential of the four or the six, then that was it. And I think that kind of swung the momentum. And I think after that, Saints just kind of took the spars a little bit by, you know, maybe the halves were a bit more dominant for Leeds in the first half. Um, you know, the few errors, maybe three or four chances gonna miss with Fran and Alicia, but I thought it was just a really great game. I think it was a really great game. And I'm really glad that it was a tight contest. The score does flatter Saints, and obviously they took the silverware, but I think in terms of women's rugby, I think that's the best game we've seen for a while. I think it also helps when you've got more of your best players out. And clearly mm. that looked a very different Leeds team to the one that played in the grand final. Um, there, there were choices that they, uh, that they made selection-wise, which they haven't had that luxury of um, much last year. Um, I think you're right about the selection of both Caitlin Beavers and particularly Hannah Butcher in the centres, it, it was um, to shut St. Helens down and it worked. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing about, you know, clearly that penalty was the defining moment, but when it missed, um, which, as you say, you know, was a surprise, I was just amazed that Saints stood around after the ball bounced in the in-goal area. Hannah was literally a fingertip away from turning that from a penalty into a try. As it yeah. happened, it became a seven-tackle set, and full credit to Saints on the back of that. They managed to score the try that turned the game, but they were they were pushed to their absolute limit, which is what they would have wanted, uh, what England would have wanted. Um, I think that... Georgia Roach in the first half was probably the difference between the teams and looked really comfortable, but yeah. couldn't quite get the same level of uh, influence in the second half. Um, yeah. Zoe, Zoe Harris's last tackle plays in the first half weren't great until a minute before half time when she put in a great kick for, for Leah Burke. But the second half, she was a lot more dominant and decisive in what she did. And, uh, and that's great because you, you're suddenly looking at England's halfback uh, potential for, for the World Cup and, and you saw maybe three or four four candidates there who'll be vying with each other. So all in all, just a, a brilliant day and, and and some great young talent coming through as well. Um, I thought Caitlin Beavers' hits on uh, Rebecca Rotherham were, were unbelievable. Um, <laughs> felt those twice, in the stats. Twice. Which again was a just great defensive reads, but also showed on the, the last tackle perhaps that, that Saints weren't firing on all cylinders in that first half. But it was brilliant. Uh, they scored four tries to one, so they deserved to win. But um, it, it, for sixty-five minutes, you, you genuinely did not know who, who who was the you know the better team in that context, which is great because that takes us into a league season where you're suddenly looking for fixtures and going, yeah, any of those top three playing each other, that's going to be a decent watch. Yeah, my like 
for me, like you've got four England halves playing in that game for now, you know, at the minute. And like you say, Zoe Harris went amiss on the first half. But that it gives me a bit of fear, if I'm honest with you, for the World Cup because Zoe Harris's first real test is in a Challenge Cup final where she's not given the space and the time to play the ball or to move the ball around like she used to. And what her first thing to do is she not crumble, that's not the right word, but the pressure what didn't do Saints any good, I don't think, in that first 20 minutes at least. They didn't get anywhere, you know, and Leeds on the front foot for a lot of it. And, you know, you're looking at a big, a lot of England starting lineup there. Even when it comes to the France test in, in July, June, whenever they're playing France. June. And my, and my biggest worry is, is they're actually going to put under some pressure. And it's how they deal with that. Where's the resilience being built up? And that's the struggle I have at the minute, is that do we always have to wait to a big final to get these fixtures in now? And when Leeds and Saints do meet each other again, or maybe York will put the pressure on as well. Is that the only practice they're going to get before I woke up? Well, I mean, I was, enough, I was stupid enough to say the other week, we may as well just have, I know the Castle had dropped out and, and for completely the right reasons, uh, out of the top top bit of Super League, Super League 1, yeah. Super League 2, whatever, A, B, whatever it's called. Um, I, I said the other week, we may as well just have a three-team competition and have Saints, Leeds and York play each other home and away a few three times. times. Because, yeah. at least, because at least then the games are going to be intense because with no disrespect to Wigan, who I know have got internationals in there, and Huddersfield are obviously are a growing side, but they're not going to put the same kind of pressure on Saints as Leeds and York will do, and vice versa. Yeah. Which I know is harsh, and I don't mean it to sound that way, but ahead of the World Cup where, look, we're, <laughs> we're coming up against professionals pretty much. Bigger people, yeah. Um, you know, we need to give ourselves the best chance we've got with intense fiction. I, and, and that's what Emily Rudge and, and Paige Strawy said in the press conference afterwards as well. What's yeah. an interesting development, um, and not everything has been, because you mentioned, obviously, Castleford have made a decision to to step down a level. I, I was surprised when the press release came out yesterday that you know we've lost Cornish Rebels, particularly at a time when uh, we've got a semi-professional men's team in Cornwall. You would have thought that they would be in harmony rather than uh, you know dropping a, a women's team from... Super League South. Um, the the exciting thing on the horizon, I think, is Catalan Dragons women. Mm. And again, we're talking a, a huge amount of cost and logistics, and I, I genuinely don't know how it would work. Um, but clearly, they were the big success of the Nines tournament. Well, I know Nines isn't yeah. the 13 aside game, and they won't have played at that level of intensity week on week that certainly St Helens and Leeds and York are achieving at the moment. But but we, were you as impressed? them as the reports coming back were that they, they played with a bit of flair that they were a bit of an unknown quantity they beat Wigan um, which again you wouldn't have expected at this particular stage of their development they're going to be going back to Salford now in the final of the nines competition should we be looking at if we're serious about women's game the women's competition the value of England and France mid-season maybe getting Catalan Dragons into women's super league if we can find perhaps a sponsor that will pay for that I mean, that's such a such a massive financial burden for somebody to take on. And the women's game's not there yet. We're like we're in the middle of a real steady growth of the game. And to ask for such a big payout for a team, I think is a is a big ask. You know, could you do like a a two a two week block where they pay, play three teams and then another two week block or whatever, or they come over and just play three teams? Or do you know what I mean? Can, can you? fix it up so is there's a there's an expense but it's not a 
an ongoing forwards and backwards one. You know, they I didn't actually see them that much in the Nines tournament. It was a very busy tournament. You know, I saw the bits and pieces, saw the odd half here and there, but it was a shot that they came and they they made a bit of a stamp and they are going to go forward to the um, final in Salford. And I'm, I'm really glad that they have. And I'm really glad that somebody else has mixed it up. And I really hope that the wild card is a carefully thought out one that's going to actually compete. And I think that there's, there's areas where Catalan could compete. You know, when you're looking at the St. Helens, you're looking at Leeds, both rested key players. Um, so could the scores have been much different? Would the results have been much different? Yeah, absolutely. Would Warrington and, and St. Helens drawn 17 all? I don't know, maybe not. But um, to see a team like Catalan get there, that's it's, I think it's just good for the sport, isn't it? As cliche as that is, it's just something else getting out there. The Catalan do really well on their social media side of the stuff. The coverage of it, hopefully, there'll be a bit more coverage for it, maybe from the France side or from at least from the from our side, and at least get just the a bit more out there about it. I mean, the yeah, dragon I draggers and Toulouse men have been playing quite a few fixtures over here on a Saturday, and they are chartering the plane, and and you know you would hope there would be space on that plane to bring a women's team, and and again you then have to dovetail women's fixtures with men fixtures, but we're trying to do that with some of the double headers, a couple of which yeah. are being filmed by Sky anyway on a Thursday night. I, I just thought um, when the report started coming back of the nines and clearly you were there and it was more than just some teams playing rugby and uh, lots of young girls there yeah. now being introduced to their role models and inspiration sessions and all that kind of thing, which arguably are as important as the games that are being played on the pitch. But suddenly, you know, we've got um, a, a team in France that, that could be... You know, another injection of interest that, um, that that might do the whole competition some 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 good. Yeah, I mean, if you're clever enough, you know, you get Magic Weekend, don't you? And you put a women's fixture on it, and whether you put Catalan against St Helens, who are the, you know, a bit like a World Club Challenge esque type of fixture or something, you know, like that, or you know, you pick a find a team that might be more suited to them, or we don't know how they play, so we don't really know that. Um, that is the clever thing to do. Um, it's asking the women to have another fixture in there, but I don't think they'd mind at all. That would um, be perfect that... for East v West and include Catalan in the East. Yeah, well, and th and then you'd only have to maybe bring a couple of their players over. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could. There's you could also do like a bit of an All Stars, couldn't you, versus England type of thing as well, and get some of the French girls over with some of the non. EPU girls. There's potential. There's potential to do a lot of things, but the biggest thing is money and financing. And there's a fine line at the minute where we're actually running the women's game at a little bit of a loss, in the sense that we're trying to put on the stadium. We're trying to give them, you know, apart from, I, and I don't say it because they're my club, but Leeds Rhinos, they run the women's team very, very cleverly and very well. St Helens actually don't run it as well as Leeds do in terms of support, but Leeds St Helens have the calibre of players. And then the rest, of the rest of the teams, you know, it costs. That you know, sometimes there's a cost at having women's players in the in the team. Like I know Hull KR, they're not in the Super League, but Hull KR are turning away players because there are too many, and it's costing Hull KR per girl per woman to be in the squad. So there's there's bigger issues in terms of monetary value. So having a big cost like having a one-off game is risky. I think if it's not going to be a benefit a to the girls playing over here and b to the sport. So. I don't know. I'm not. It's, it gets all gets a bit political, which I'm probably out of. But, <laughs> well, but, but the, other, 
I'm sorry, oh, that goes back to having no. the final as a standalone event, doesn't it? And, and having it yeah. onto the triple header is a financial decision. That's a wise one. But the other side of that coin is that the growth in sport at the moment, where funding will be coming in, it might not be available today, but it clearly will. And it's seen by the figures that the BBC announced, or something like uh, 200,000 watching the women's game, which is, which, you know, absolutely yeah. phenomenal amount of people watching them. You have got a saleable product there. And if you keep putting it in the main shop window or not in the, in the back, uh, you know, room at the back where nobody can see it, then you're going to get more people wanting to invest in the women's game as they will in the wheelchair game than you will mm. in the men's running game at the moment. And I think some major companies have come on board for the World Cup, not because they want to see um, England men you know, play Tonga in a semi-final and Australia play New Zealand and then a, you know, hopefully a sellout Old Trafford with whoever emerges out of those two games. I think they want to invest in the women and the wheelchair um, and maybe even the PDRL because that's where uh, they will get corporate social responsibility value for money. Um, and even though it's it might be making a slight loss at the moment, it's that kind of thinking now that will get the strategic working group getting an, a partner like IMG in, who will be saying as part of what we're buying, we just don't want the men's running game. We want all these other things that have got absolute growth. I think there was a study um, that came out last week about the amount of time people are watching women's sport now. And it's, mm. it's increased ridiculously, um, you know, in, in the space of a year. And that's only going to improve if you, but you've got to give them things to watch. And, and Richard's quite rightly spoken about it before. If you're going to put, you know, a women's game on our league that you know is going to likely end up 80 nil, there is no value in that. But if you can put an East-West game on at Magic Weekend and Sky will film it and a sponsor will come on, defray some of that cost. And I know you put in your column for, for this week's magazine, there's prize money now for the Nines final, and that's never happened before. It's not a huge amount of money, but it's absolutely the right thing to be doing. And if that, if that prize money is coming out of a pot that means there's a loss attached to the event, it's still the right thing to do at the moment. Yeah, and what I, my biggest worry about that is that it's not very well known that there is a prize fund for the girls anyway. So I've spoken to a couple of the, a couple of the girls from a couple of teams and they've all been like, what, what, what? So it, it also, to me, is hugely important about what that prize money goes for. So to me, so the clubs need to say, girls, here's two and a half grand, well done for winning the nines. And I'm not saying give it to them, but I'm saying pay for supplements or pay for, um, you know, each person gets a, a, a certain amount, but it's got to be spent through the club as something that's beneficial to your game. So, like you say, supplements or whatever it is like that. Um, I know, so say if it was Leeds to win the nines, what about the three girls that travel from Newcastle three times a week? You know, and, and expect because I know that some of the clubs do pay expenses now, which is fantastic. And there is a little bit of monetary value. It's not by any means a salary. But we just need to make sure that I would be interested more to see how that money is spent. Can I ask you another question? Because I'd give all of that money to the squad. You know, let's say there's 13 players in the squad. I'd I mean, Phil's, in, Phil's not on Instagram, so he didn't see St. Helens uh, players celebrating on Saturday night. Still in their full kit, Phil. That's where all the money's going to go. That, that's straight down the bar. That's gone. That's gone now. Yeah. Down the sport. Do you have a concern, because um, we can't and perhaps shouldn't at the moment be paying anything more than expenses, that that game was shown in Australia? which is brilliant mm. that the RFL have done a deal with Fox and they took all of that coverage. 
Do you have a concern that NRL clubs now will pick off our best talent? Like, if they haven't already, yeah. I mean, that everyone knows who Amy Hardcastle is. And based on the last England game that was shown out there, you know, Amy Hardcastle on Saturday wasn't the Amy Hardcastle we know and love. Amy Hardcastle in the last international, where all of the ball went down the left edge between her, Jodie Cunningham and Emily Rudge, for anybody watching, whether it's Canada, whether it's Australia, whether it's New Zealand, whether it's Brazil, there you go. There's your target audience. There's your target on the field, isn't it? So, you know, I think Saturday was just showed a good level of rugby. Are we at the standard of the women's NRL? No, we're not. Does it show that where there's potential? Yes, it does. Did it highlight particularly anybody? Maybe Georgia, maybe Jodie, maybe Emily when she came on, maybe, you know, Caitlin or whatever. But also... Hannah Butcher's not in England. She pulled herself out of the EPU. So if you watch the last international, yes, it does pinpoint them, and that's very bad because that's the girls are going to go for. Plus, they know them from the last World Cup. If you showed them Saturday's game, here's a good level of rugby, and there are some standout performances, but not as much as you've seen, like you say, in the 82 nils against... And the, and the stuff of Amy running through five or six defenders. Like the BBC asked me... Which place should we point out? And I didn't want to pick Amy out, not because I don't think she's phenomenal and she's a great player, but I think actually the, the coverage we've got of Amy at the minute isn't the true reflection of how, how Amy Hardcastle plays. Because if you're in, if you've seen Amy Hardcastle running, running at you and you're a 16, 17 year old girl who's just started playing in the centres, I'm sorry, but you're going to step to the side. <laughs> if you've got an in, I any, step to any the answer. side. Yeah, or, or, or if you've got no fear, you're going to try your best to go for it. But the likelihood is the size of a 16, 17 year old these days versus Amy Harcastle, who is such a phenomenal athlete, you're going to get sat down. Hannah Butcher got sat down by Amy at one point. There's a fantastic picture of her rolling backwards. Um, so I didn't want to show that cover. Not I didn't want to show it, but however, she is a household name now, so it's easy to make her look good and to, to show that. So there's a fine line, isn't there, between all of what the NRL see and what they don't see. But I'm pretty sure that they'll know anyway now. Well, that, that suggests to me that you're smart enough to realise what the sport needs to do to sell itself. Because if you do put clips out like that, there are, you know, because we know there are negative people out there who want to look for the negatives in everything. Mm. If you put those clips out there, people are going to point out, as you say, that the defence is weak or whatever. And then, again, that's no disrespect to the players involved because there is a class gulf in some of these teams. Oh, it's obvious because some of the scores we've seen already this season and saw at the end of last season. It, it's I go back, you know, the, the wakefield Alton game, you were there, you commentated on it. It wasn't a great game. <laughs> I'm not going to say it was a great game. It, was, it wasn't very good at all, but it was close. So there was some drama to it. There's more yeah. value in showing that than his Saints winning 60-0 again, because I don't know what that good does for anyone. And it also makes it really difficult for the coverage, doesn't it? Because there's only so many times you can say, Amy Harkos is in again. Harry Roberts is in again. <laughs> Jodie Cunningham's in again. And it's tough, isn't it? Because... In the Challenge Cup run, I think the RFL have done a really good job of showing all teams as much as they can, like spreading the wealth of the coverage. Because it's all well and good watching Saints every week or watching Leeds every week and whoever they're playing and, and beating 40-0 or whatever. You know, so playing playing Alton and Wakefield over the Saints-Warrington, at the, the Leeds-Warrington, maybe wasn't the best idea. 
But when are Alton going to be on the the hour league again? When are Alton going to be in a quarter final of the Challenge Cup again? You know, so there's I don't know. I'm a little bit. Remember, I'm a bit like unicorn and fairy dust, aren't I? I like the fact that everyone's getting a little go. You know, my my biggest issue would be for the girls for the England squad, but I'm not in England squad anymore. So actually, what I'm doing is I'm just liking the fact that the women's profile's grown enough for you for the Alton girls to get live on on TV. I mean, the question is as well is, I mean, let's be honest, they shouldn't be in the quarterfinals. They shouldn't have beaten two Super League teams to get to the quarterfinals. And, that, and the question is... 2019, should that. Halifax have been in the semi-final level Challenge Cup? Well, no, that is true. No, that's the, beauty of, that's the beauty of the Challenge Cup. That's the beauty of the Challenge Cup. You don't get it in the league. You don't get it in the grand final. You only get that in the Challenge Cup because that's the way the Challenge Cup works. So I'm glad that we've had a curveball team make it to the quarterfinals. Whether I agree with the original, the setup of the, the pool system... I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure how I feel about it, if I'm honest. But I love it because Alton got to a quarterfinal. So we all watch the game with different media duties. Um, who would have been your choice for player of the match? Because the voting was released. Um, Zoe was almost beside herself with joy at being awarded it, and um, and had a fantastic game when she was out there. But who would you have chosen? Well, you tend to go for the winning side, don't you? Or you should go towards the winning side. And for that, I think that Emily Rudge made a massive difference when she came on. And I think she's quite an, an understated player in the sense that she does graft and work really well all the time. So when she has an outstanding performance, which I think is most games, it's, she's so consistent with the performance that it's never, you know, that amazing to the... To, to the she's James Rowley. untrained eye. But but then again, for Leeds, I think Hannah Butcher had an absolute stormer. I think defensively in, in attack. And again, she, she's a bit more of an Emily Rudge in the sense that she's so consistent in her performances that every performance is a great performance. So she's never a standout, you know, a standout player. Like Jay Field keeps on getting man of the match, doesn't he? Because he makes three or four runs. But actually, he got man of the match against Wigan and Sol- when Wigan and Salford played. But if you look, at, look through the game, he was trying to pass the ball too much and probably made five or six errors, significant errors that stopped Wigan scoring. So, yeah, Hannah and Emily for me. Um, I think Caitlin was really good as well. She was out of position. I think Caitlin was great in centre, but I still think she's a better fullback. I just wanted to put in a word for Chantel Crowell because, again, in a big game to play 80 minutes in a position like that and have an influence for most yeah. of those 80 minutes... Um, and and I think she was the player, along with Vicky, that that got them back on the front foot when uh, it looked like it was it was moving away from them. Um, I just thought her performance was absolutely outstanding. Yes. Okay. So I do think Shani's great, and I've shared a room with her in England. I think she's absolutely wicked, and she's a, she's another consistent player. Bill and towards the World Cup, are you going to play a prop for eighty minutes? You shouldn't be doing so. So so what is she not? Why is she not exhausting herself for twenty minute blocks? And absolutely, busting her gut to drain the tank, empty it completely. So can she run a little bit harder and a little bit faster? Can she do a little bit bit of a better tackle, take 10, 15 minutes off the pitch and come back on and do another big 20-minute stint? Because that's a prop, what you should be doing. You shouldn't be doing 80 minutes. Although I do love Shani and I think she's great and she was fantastic, technically. And I'm saying that the England coaches are both Saints coaches, so is that what you want from Shani to do? Shani ain't going to last 80 minutes against New Zealand and Australia. Um, so when Shana Hoyle comes into the Saints team, does that mean she'll be able to uh, have a bit more rest then? 
which you weren't playing for like two minutes, so to speak. I wish I didn't have to say that phrase. But before Shona, she still did it. Anyway. For <laughs> 80 minutes. And that's what I worry about. No, it's going to make me go really controversial now. Well, this, is, like this is the, yeah, but at least at least you have an opinion because uh, I, I've said this before. On, I think I've said it on before. Now. The problem with a lot of coverage of women's sport, not necessarily rugby league, but others, is it's relentlessly positive to the extent where you're not. There's no critical thought to an extent. Everything's brilliant, and at least you're willing to say, "Well, I do this and I do that," and it's the willingness that you you might you might be wrong, but at least you've got an opinion. And sometimes you're right most of the time. I'm often, my opinion is neither here nor there. I don't want to say I'm right or I'm say I'm wrong. It's my opinion, isn't it? And like mm. what I think is going to upset people, as you've obviously found out in the past. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping I've not upset York by, you know, saying, I think St. Anthony's will play in the grand final. That's just an opinion. If York got to the grand final, I, I wouldn't be there booing them or anything. It's just an opinion. No. No, well, it's an interesting move, though, isn't it? Because the big fanfare, <laughs> Huddersfield signs Jonah Hoyle. It's all like England internationals going from Castleford to Huddersfield. That's interesting. Blah blah blah. And now, now well, look, plays one game. Shona can do what Shona think is best for her for the world. Of course, yeah. and that's ultimately all that matters. So I can, you know, as long as Shona's done the right thing for her to get a shirt in the World Cup because she deserves to be in it. I really don't like the fact that she's not a starting prop sometimes for England. And this impact off the bench rubbish. She was a prop. All you ever hear, you good impact off the bench. Shut up. If I'm a good enough prop, you're going to start me. And I think Shona's one of the best props. She's not a prop by trade. She's a second row centre. And she's moved up to prop since Craig's come at the helm for England. And she's worked hard to become a prop and she's doing really well at it. She's a force to be reckoned with. So as long as Shona has done what's right for Shona for the World Cup, then fair dues. However... She moved to Huddersfield to be closer to home. And there's really controversial word on the street that she's been pulled in order to be in the England squad. How, how true that is, I don't know. But if you want all of your England players in one squad because you want to win everything domestically, <clears throat> then well done. But what actually was Shani going up against on... On Saturday, Danny Anderson, hard runner, you know, a little bit, I think, in attack, she needs to work on her getting back and turning around a little bit quicker. She can target her at the rook at A defender. Um, but again, Danny's not going to be put under that pressure unless she's suddenly, you know, scrutinises that. Um, you know, I think that Amy Stavely should be up in the squad, but has never really had a proper look in. I think she's a really good player. Shannon, when she plays a prop, I think she's really good. You know, Shona's fantastic. Vicky Whitfield is unbelievably fantastic. And, and to come back from ACL and still be as good as she is, is fantastic. You know, there's a lot of lot of people. And you've got Paige Travis that's going in at Sekiro, also started a prop in the last international. Uh, there's plenty well, of there's plenty of rotation there. So why where's got... Rhiannon's best position? Well, Rhiannon's is a fitness thing. She is by far the most skillful player in the women's game when it comes to ball handling. Her vision is fantastic. Her kicking is fantastic. She could play in any position if she really got fit. Now, for whatever reason, 
that you do we're not in a we're not paid so why would you have to get fit if you don't want to or if you don't need to or whatever i'd put rihanna at 13 if she was in the right state to do so because she can move the ball she's great at running the ball up she's got vision can kick it out she she's another pair of hands to get the ball moving and you know it kind of leaves you if you were careful clever a half a 13 and a half that can all kick from anywhere but whether she'll get another looking or not, you know. If, if, if she's at 13, then where's Jodie Cunningham in your England team? Because she wears 13 on the back. Yeah, she does. Centre? Mm, full back? I don't know. I don't know. I would say Jodie... Jodie works her socks off. Jodie work, her, Jody's work rate is undeniable. And... As a, as a player, as a person, as a leader, I think she really puts her body on the line and I think she leads by example. Obviously, I've never been captained by her, um, but I know how passionate she is and I know how driven she is and that her work rate is just unbelievable. But I think she's lost her position now. So when 2017, well, 2015 to 2017, our message in the England camp was, know your role for your position. So at a prop, I stopped trying to run around too much. I stopped trying to move the ball around. You know, and similarly, you know, when Sarah Dunn got put at centre, she had to know her role at centre and, and nothing else. And Jess Courtman was centre second row and, and Shona was second row and Jodie was a fullback. And it was between Jodie and Tara Jane Stanley and Jodie often was the first choice fullback because coming out of yardage, she's great under the high ball, she's great. You back her at last man defence. But now she's lost that, I think, focus. As far as I'm, I don't know how where they've got her envisioned. And if it is at 13, great, because I don't think Rihanna's going to get in the squad before the World Cup. No, I mean, so it's, it's, it's a completely pointless... Uh, yeah. But my worry is to Jodie is that she's she is become a utility player. And how can you be very good at your role if you're a utility player? I, I think Rihanna's a ball-handling prop. In the making of limited minutes, but great. Lee Crooks. Lee Crooks. Yeah. Well, Jeff Gration, you know, so, somebody who can break a game open with some amazing skill in the middle of the field, but maybe, as you're saying, 15 minute bursts. And I think that's the kind of skill you're going to have to have if you're even going to upset Australia or New Zealand because they won't expect it. The, the, you know, they will be so fit and so structured. If you've got somebody that can come into the line and release the ball and you've got a support player and you don't know whether they're going to kick or pass or run themselves, I, I, would, be, I would be having Rhiannon in that squad and saying, you don't need to be fit to play 80 minutes. You need to be able to do something that other players yeah. can't do. Well, that's it, isn't it? If I'm honest with you now, there's not a chance... Rhiannon could get as fit as she possibly wanted. She could be, she could lose 10, you know, 20 kgs. Craig Richards is not going to have a squad. Face doesn't fit. You've heard it here first. <laughs> and that's a sad, you know, that's a sad. It breaks me because I genuinely like all the girls that play rugby league. There's nobody I dislike. I'm not saying I'm best friends of everybody, but I don't want to badmouth anybody because it's it's not it's not about the players. Mm. It's about the what are the management doing in terms of, like, don't get me wrong, Zoe Harris has to really step up because Faye's been missing. But Faye could potentially be back in the next four weeks. 
Does that mean that they're then going to push Zoe Harris back out to the bench and put Fayetteson half for Saints? And then why is Zoe in the, in the England setup if she's not even the starting half for Saints? Wait, this is like I think, Zoe's, I think Zoe's great. I think Zoe's great, and I'm really happy for her to get up that. But there's a few decisions. You know, you've got that little half at Alton, who maybe isn't England World Cup standard yet, but she needs whipping up before she goes to rugby union. Yeah, so and I think we, we should be looking at 2025 now as well, because that's going to be massive. Yeah, that, but this is a bit of an anomaly, isn't it? Because of the pushback and, you know, you're looking at a lot of girls now that might retire after the World Cup and have babies or do whatever they want to do because it's a big pressure to put. And yes, getting a participation fee for the World Cup this year, fantastic. Congratulations for doing it. Fantastic step. But it's not a salary. It's mm. not a salary. It's a participation fee. And there's bigger and better things for the girls at the minute to be doing. Like, uh, maybe if I was five years younger, I'd still be pushing on and, and trying to play. But actually now, in terms of my work-life balance, I don't have the time to train to be that elite player. You know, and, and a lot of the girls, it's a strain and it's a stress. And now for the people like Amy and Shona, who are travelling across the Pennines just to get to training two, three times a week, that's, an added, that's a massive added pressure. I'm glad you're earning more money stood on the sidelines just watching rather than having to uh, put your body through it. <laughs> it helps. It helps. Now, don't get me wrong, I was absolutely gutted not to be part of Saturday. Oh, of course. Um, and that's the first time I think in my, in my retirement that I've actually been, not teary, but definitely there was a moment in the morning I was a bit like, you know, and, and being out doing the pre-match build-up on the BBC and seeing the girls warming up behind me or doing the rehearsal and seeing them all chit-chatting them. And I miss that. I really miss that. It's not so much the playing. It's the build with a big game, isn't it, that you miss? So, yeah, I got I got paid to be there and I got to be a part of the whole thing. And, and hopefully that will continue into the World Cup and I'll still be a part of it all. But it doesn't really replace the being with the girls and being with that team. I mean, I'm nodding as if I know what it's like to be part of a team in a, a major <laughs> final or anything when I'm just... You know... But Saints won. I mean, we started talking about this about three hours ago. Saints won the final, and they were they were they were good enough on the day. I think Lo- Lois is a tactical genius for the, the plan to stop Amy Hardcastle in the first half. And yeah. I don't think she got enough credit for that. And uh, but that's Kurt's way. They only get uh, criticism when things go wrong, rather than credit when things go right. But I'm, I'm excited for the future fixtures, and not necessarily the one on Sky coming up as part of the double header between Saints and Leeds, but more the potential of a grand final because those are the games that you really are going to remember in the future. But we'll and that. a new trophy as well to yes. play for. Which yeah. a slimmed down version of the men's, which is arguably the ugliest trophy in, in the game. But it's great that it at least shows that there is some connection between those two grand finals. Yeah, and so it should be. There needs to be that link, you know. You know, I've said it all along about going into the elite status and going in the same path as the men. Okay, when monetary wise, we're not, but we want to be as equal as the men in the sense of rules, in you know, in the way it functions, the way it works, the trophies, the the finals, the spectacle. And yes, it's not going to be Old Trafford spectacle, but there's still a stadium. Now, am I? Having the, the the final at Leeds or Saints Stadium is that the right thing to do? Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, 
I'm just glad it's not Warrington because everything seems to be at Warrington these days. I know, but then that's that's. But me. It, is, it would be neutral. Yeah. yeah. Warrington's a nice venue. It's easy to get to. You can fill it quite well. It is a neutral. The girls like it. The facilities underneath are very good. I've had some nice results at Warrington. Do you know what I mean? Like I think, I think it's very. It's a lot of added pressure on. So when Leeds was Hedley was the grand final last year, <coughs> excuse me, there was added pressure on us to get to it. You know, and when the grand final was at Saints the year before, Saints were absolutely devastated that they weren't in the grand final at their stadium. And and whether it's just because the venue's good or because it's easy for Sky or whatever, I just don't... I'd like to see somewhere else. I'd like to see a bit more neutral. Or somewhere in between, I don't know. I'd have it at York. I think it's the absolute perfect venue. Kelsey was saying it's a really freezing cold stadium, you know. I don't have anything to do with it, but come September, it'll be chilly. I just think 8,000 capacity, state-of-the-art, great hospitality there, a a slight incentive for York to break that duopoly, and if they got there, fine, they'd be on home soil. Uh, Bespoke uh, stadium for for the modern day. Um, I think it ticks ticks every box for me. It's not the easiest to get to, though, is it? Uh, There are worse. Yeah, I think... And lots of things on, on the site there that I think, you know, would encourage people to go because, again, you know, Warrington's ground is not that far from the town centre. There's a nice supermarket across the way if you want to go and buy a meal deal. But but the the facility at York, you know, with with everything on site, the the big um, you know shopping areas, and if you wanted to go swimming or whatever, you know, you've got everything there. It's it it's a family day out if you want to make it. No, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Well, it should be a bloody old Trafford as a double header, but well, there's time um, for that. Yes, and also not RFL, not on a Sunday. We are women that have professions on the Monday morning. Do not put a grand final because I will tell you something. October the eleventh was a very difficult day for me, <laughs> and it's not like I could miss it because my head teacher and my assistant head teacher, my line manager, were both at the final. So as a word of just a peace offering, put the final whichever said you want them. Just make it on a day that's not a Sunday. Thank you. Peace out. Because me and my friend who came to watch from school, I just, it makes me cry that day. Because you're getting old, you see, that's the problem. Um, no, it's because I drunk far too many Jaeger bombs. Exactly, that's the problem. Um, I should apologise for calling Amy Hardcastle an alien. I didn't mean to. But when uh, I asked Lois about um, the, the the tactics in the first half to stop her, and she said, you know, we're trying to humanise St Helens because the players obviously thought they were robots or something. Instead of calling Amy Hardcastle a robot, which I probably could have got away, call her an alien. No, she is she is an unknown quantity though, isn't she? She is she runs like a prop at the speed of a winger. You, you, you can't you can't you can't teach that. No. And and, I, and as much as I tried to get hashtag mini Danica starting for the player of the match, it's not working either. <laughs> so so apologies to Zoe Hornby for that. I didn't get to speak. Yeah, in apologies the to Zoe for being called Mini Me. She's yeah. much better. Apo- apologies for that. Um and is there anything else I need to apologise for for the weekend? No, I don't think so. I think I think I behaved fairly well. Did you see much of the other two games on Saturday? I know you obviously 
busy for the first on the telly. Did you get to see much of the other two semi-finals? Or the two semi-finals? Yeah, quite quite a bit of both, yeah. Quite a bit of both. You know, obviously the lead Saints then followed by the Wigan St. Helens was you know, you built it up and mm. you know, again, second halves took it, you know, were the deciding factor, weren't they? The whole KO Huddersfield game, maybe not so exciting. But I think that was always likely. It was always going to be the the third fiddle of the uh, the piece. That's not even that's not even a phrase. I don't even know where I've got that from. But there was always going to be a game that's going to have, I think, for me, the least interest. Even though it was probably going to always. Well, I thought on paper it should have been a closer game than it was. Yeah. But credit to Huddersfield for absolutely smashing Hulk out of the park in that one. Isn't but, it yeah. nice that just another team are going to a final? I know that's really, again, a cliche kind of like mythical approach to how I see rugby league but it's just nice it is isn't it it's like yeah. do I think that Huddersfield can, can outdo Wigan depends on how the, the next couple of rounds go doesn't it in do you remember Gilvey's you know, never played in a final for Huddersfield yeah, he's been there no, for, and that's for wicked. 100 and, years and that's wicked and that's wicked and that's what I love about it yeah and how the teams manage the next few weeks are going to be very crucial aren't they especially as they play each other on Thursday that's going to be a bit uh, cat and but I, I think, think that's great, isn't it? Do you, do you not think that's a bit of a fairy tale kind of? Oh, it's perfect. Here's disguise. a taster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the other thing is it'd be really interesting to see how Wigan cope with the final, because yeah. they were going in as underdogs a little bit against St Helens. They 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 had a little bit of a swagger about them over the way they played since Good Friday. Saints mm-hmm. had suffered a couple of injuries, um, and I think Wigan know that, but for a stray pass. Uh, which is not to blame Johnny Lomax because how the hell he was out there in the first place, I have no idea. But literally it was a stray pass from St. Helens that gave Wigan the opportunity to, to, you know, work well, get reward for what they'd done in the first half. But literally it was, as Lou McCarthy Scarsbrook said afterwards, the toss of a coin between the two teams. But Wigan will go into the final as favourites against Huddersfield. And I think that makes Huddersfield really dangerous. I, I, I think the way they played against Hull KR was almost perfect semi-final football. And that yeah. was exemplified when Theo Farge dropped the goal at 24. No, I don't think there was any disrespect in that at all. I think that's we need to know what we need to do to close out yeah. games in a, the most professional manner we can. There's something about Ian Watson. He's got a little bit to prove now. I've taken another team to a final, but I've got to get them over the line. Mm. I think, you know, Chris Hill's been... A magnificent leader for them. Um, so I, I, I think it's going to be a more interesting final than being able to say for certain, oh, there's a favourite and an underdog. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think Huddersfield was sensational. I think the interesting thing for Hull KR on the back of it is that they've announced their coach this evening, for yeah. 2023. Now, I'm we are not here as rumour mongers in any way whatsoever, but I, I think quite a few people were talking about it before the semi-final, but because of what Tony Smith has said about not staying on, that if Hulk KR lost, would he step down early? And when you read between the lines of the Hulk KR press release about Willie Peters joining them, yes, it says 2023, but he's going to be involved in retention, recruitment. He's ve- you know he's going to be hands-on now, even though he yeah. might be 12. I think that's an indication that he might be here before the end of the season. Yeah, so it's also on the room, isn't it, that that's the whole thing with Tony Smith at the minute and the, the recruitment and retention thing. So he's wiped his hands of it anyway. So somebody needs to do it. And I hope for Tony's sake, like, I think he's a good bloke. 
obviously I don't know him, but chatted to him a few times, but yeah, you're not you're not the chance to cut your bowed out of that pretty I'd say badly for Hull KR. The way they have been playing recently anyway, that wasn't expected. They've had a really good one up to now. But for the boys and whether you've for whatever reason you're stepping down or you're retiring or whatever, I think you have a duty to the lads. Mm-hmm. And if you don't need to step down and it's not been forced, maybe I'm a bit old school, but I think I'd I'd hope that he'd stay in. If his hand's not forced to leave, then I'd hope he'd, he'd last it out. But I, I, I just thought it was really interesting timing. I know that mm. um, certain media outlets were saying it's going to be Willie Peters, but I suspect that that's because Hulk KR were briefing on it being... Willie Peters or his agent was in in a position where he could let that information out because it was going to be announced. I just think that them announcing it, having lost the semi-final, is not necessarily to deflect from, um, you know, that performance. I think it's more to say, uh, you know, we we might be able to bring him in earlier. But uh, we shall see. That's that's a rumour we've just started. I think it'd be well worth, by the way, if you've not heard uh, Ian Watson's comments after the game, he was in, in fine form in the press conference. I've stuck it up, edited on, on YouTube, as as was Jermaine McGilvery, and especially in answer to questions from Gary Carter about Super League and why the crowds at Huddersfield aren't where they were in the past. And he says some very interesting things about the state of the competition and licensing and youngsters being given a go and this, that and the other. And it's interesting to hear it from a player uh, mm. rather than... And I know players have a vested interest, but this is Jermaine McGill for you who's coming towards the end of his career. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. Um, it was interesting to hear someone speak so openly just after helping his team to a final with a great try, great individual try as well. Well, some of the defence may have been suspect on that, but a great individual try from him. Very interesting words from him and, uh, and great questions from Gary Carter. Get the uh, answers out of him as well. I'll put that up on YouTube now as well so you can watch that uh, at your leisure. Um Interesting times ahead. Wigan versus Huddersfield, Lee versus Featherstone, the uh, Russian nuclear parade that is those two teams signing here, there, and everywhere. They signed uh, Fekion Lund from Kasavev today because Lee signed Blake Ferguson last week. I don't know who's going to come and sign for these teams next, but. Blake Ferguson. What a signing. Well, maybe we'll be forward to catching that one. <laughs> maybe you'll be in Super League next season um, this, well, this is one hell of is. one hell of a game of poker those two teams are playing at the moment and you yeah. can't blame either of them because the thing is one of them is going to get promoted and the team that they're building now is partly to not go through what Toulouse have been through and what other promoted teams have been through Lee themselves uh, when they accepted a position in Super League you've almost got to be recruiting a Super League standard or or lower part of the Super League standard team in the championship because you go up very late and you've got to be prepared. So um well that just not that make it exciting because for, for Lee to sign Blake Ferguson, what was the sales pitch? What is the unique selling point? When we get promoted, we're gonna double your salary or when you get promoted, mm-hmm. this is what's going do you know like what 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 have they sold to Blake Ferguson to make him sign for Lee? Because I think that's more interesting than the, the backstory of it rather than yeah, very clever, well done. Whatever you've done, Lee, fantastic. And you're preparing yourself to actually go and compete in a Super League. I think, they've, I think they've sold him the idea that he was slightly soiled goods and that mm. there probably wasn't another competition that was going to pick him up at least for the next six months. Needs to rehabilitate. 
So come over here. Um, you certainly won't be out of pocket and you've got the opportunity of earning some serious money as and when we get back to Super League and we've got you know more salary cap to play with. Um, but but I'm not sure anybody else would have would have been looking to employ him at the moment. So well done to them for for seizing on that opportunity. Um, but as you say, the, the, the other thing I, I'm just not sure about at the moment, and I, I think um, it's a debate that more people are starting to have, is that clearly you want the best players you can get in your elite competition. Your broadcaster certainly wants that. Um, and what we're getting at the moment is a lot of players in the championship that should be playing in Super League. Um, and, and to me, that just feels a little bit wrong. It, I don't know of any other sport that that happens in. You know, you score 20 goals in the championship for Sheffield United. You're going to be playing the premiership the following year. Um, somebody said, oh, cricket, you know, you've got England players playing in Division 2, but that's only a very small part of cricket, the county championship, and the top players barely play in that competition. Um, so I'm not sure that's a fair comparison either. It just seems to me that because of what uh, Liam Featherstone are understandably doing, we're almost distilling the opportunity of having some of the best players who should be playing at Super League level. Probably, again, there's a bigger debate about the salary cap, uh, mm. even at Super League level, should we have one if we want all the best players to play in the best competition. But there just seems something wrong that we're actually, you know, we, we, we could be seeing um, Blake Ferguson playing the majority of his games against teams that are not at least standard. And I'm not sure where that gets gets the sport, but it's Lee's prerogative to do everything they can to win one game at the end of the season over 18 minutes to get promoted. You could say the same about St. Helens women signing all the England players. What What's their prerogative? What benefit does it have? 15 Saints and England players running out against Wigan or Castleford. You know, I know it's different than the women. I go back to the women's, but their main aim is to to win everything. St. Helens have got all of the best players and they want to go for the treble again. So same with Lee. Very well done. Yes, you're going to be playing and you're going to be nearly a million teams. You're going to be putting big scores against them. But ultimately, your main aim is to win the the, the final game. So like, whether right or wrong, whether, whether entertaining or not for the viewing public, they want to win. That That's their aim. And they're not going to say, oh, wait a minute, the fans might not enjoy that win. Oh, wait a minute. The sport might not need that 80 nil. It certainly enhances the 1895 Cup final because we could have two games of very similar quality. Can you imagine? Uh, it should be a great day. Imagine uh, Mrs. Beaumont handing over the trophy to Mr. Beaumont. It's going to be all excited. Decking. That's that's what got him to uh, to leave. Lots of decking. Um, St. Helens women, Lee, Featherston, they are um, Wigan of the late 80s, early 90s, just signing everyone. Just so that, just because they can. And, yeah. uh, but but, but and, even and, stop, stockpiling for that great Wigan team didn't work in the end because they had to sell Central Park to fund it. Please say it's women won't have to sell the Tony Wicked. Yeah. Say it's women won't have to sell the Tony Wicked. But you'd like a fiver at least, you know, just mm. some petrol money. One day. I mean, I can't say anything now. I'll get paid now just to set up a game. So. I mean, I remember those days. They were great. And do and do 20 minutes work and not feel sorry at the end of it. Can you imagine when I used to do the, the updates on Total Sport? So I'd turn up to a ground and I'd do a pre-match. That's 30 seconds. Two 30-second updates every half. 
full time. So two two minutes work, five minutes tops. Got to write it first. Money for older rope. Anyone can do this. Anyone can do this job. I've proven that in the past. Um, League One, of course, went on. North Wales beat Doncaster 46 0. North Wales, who we were trying to get a guest on from ages ago, and, and wisely they gave us a bit of a brush. Not a brush off in terms of, no, we don't want to come on, but saying we'll sort something out. Now they've seen what's happened to guests on this program. It all goes wrong. So they've done the right thing because they're seven from seven, the only unbeaten team uh, in terms of wins. I know Fenderson have drawn one. Um, Hunslow beat Cornwall, which you couldn't see on the app. Uh, Rochdale beat Midlands 44-24. Swinton beat London Scholars and Keithley beat West Wales. And this week it is the big one. In League One, the O has to go as Cornwall host the West Wales Raiders. I mean, there is, there's a game for you. Um, depends on how many players Cornwall have signed from Leeds and everyone else this week. Um, live to the nation on the app. It's going to be... Unless it gets taken off at the last minute. Which presumably was because the two AB Sondex 1895 semi finals were being played at the same which, time. Which they already knew weeks in advance of that fixture. But, but announced it on the day. So that's a good question. Um, as ever was perfect. Oh, pl- planning's always great. I don't want to say anything that gets us in trouble because I get in trouble all the time. You know, sometimes. So I, do I. I I, I, sometimes even our anonymous Twitter account gets questions about his opinion. So I, I don't even know. Butler signed for your Wakefield. That's more news coming out today. It's a player, yeah, broken by uh, the what Brian Bevan says podcast um, on Twitter over the weekend. I'll give them the credit. I don't know if anyone else beat them too. Who who they got things? Who was the last player from Rochester in Kent to sign for Wakefield? I bet that's oh, got, the first. Yeah, the only one I can think from down there was what's his name. Griffin, but he was from Oxford, wasn't he? Del Griffin. Mm. Uh, affectionately, nicknamed, affectionately nicknamed the Teapot for his uh, defensive uh, line stylings. But uh, this, that, that was... Uh, I remember asking John Keir about that in a press conference after. I think Wakefield lost at Wigan once and all the fans throughout the game were just giving Griffin so much stick. And he, he batted that one away to John Keir because he's a professional and I am an amateur. Big um, game for your boys this weekend. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? You know, people back, people back for selection, you know, controversial things going on behind the scenes, a new coach. There's a lot going on there at the minute, isn't there? I mean, Phil was talking about Wakefield, but we can talk about Leeds if you want. I'd rather, I'd rather not <laughs> oh, talk about Wakefield. I'm not bothered about I'm saying, I'm saying what's going on, what's controversial at Wakefield? What's going on at Wakefield? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever happens at Wakefield. Apart yeah, from I mean... Elections. No. So, uh, you're big Salford. Come on. I've seen Salford. I've seen Leeds. Who've signed Tyler Dupree, who came out of the uh, Leeds Academy system. Yeah. Also, last time I saw Salford play was against Wigan, and I thought it was going to be an absolute whitewash. It's true. You, uh, when, when you did that Wakefield Alton game, you, you didn't watch the game before, did you? You just turned up for the, the women's game, so you missed. Wakefield. I, I waltzed in. I waltzed into Wakefield Stadium without a question asked, without a ticket. I walked in three gates, and not one single person questioned me. Security want, there is incredibly. If you want to see Michael Carter, get get a picture on the door. You know, get a band. Get your band. Either band that, band, or your band your band. profile is so high. It's, off the it's like royal. It's like royalty <laughs> visiting. No, it was dreadful. 
I mean, we are running out of time. I don't, is, there, is there anything else we want to talk about in terms of the news? Or should we just uh, question Danica's coats? What was it like standing next to Martin Fire? Because he, he's like proper famous. He's like on all the TV programs all the time. He's like famous. Oh, uh, you know, he was there. He was all right. He, yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting, to be fair. I had more conversation with, with Sam and Helen and <laughs> I think he did a lot of research. So he had a lot to say. Well, that's good because a lot of people just turn up on the telly and don't know anything, which, which yeah. is good. Um, we should point out that for people who have never seen you in real life or Kelsey Gentles, you're not a giant. She's just really small. Yeah, she's five foot. Yeah, she's tiny. But, she's but a hell of a player. Hell of a player. Oh, and she was great at Punditry then. I thought she was fantastic on Saturday. It's the good thing that there is a wider breadth of women coming on the telly and talking about rugby league than, than in the men's game. I know you're on all the time, but there's a, apart from you, there's a, a lot more different people. We used to yeah, think, like we used, that used was to be damned with faint praise, wasn't it? You're on all the time. Yeah. Well, she's on all the time. Do you know what? I did that, that last Channel 4 gig that I did with Martin Fire and Sam Tompkins. Channel 4 put out this big, the guest this week are... I'm no longer even a guest on that show. <laughs> Cheers, oh. cheers, Channel 4. Is that because she's on Back on the 21st of, of May. Um, is that a cast? No, holy. That's all I'm okay. Okay, are we going to. Oh, okay, are we going to. Right. Yeah. But so no, like I, I put out on social media the other day, you know, that in the last four weeks, I've worked with Tanya on the Super League show. Then I worked with Helen on Channel 4. Then I, w- I was with Jenna Brooks at the Nines on a bit of Sky Spots. Then I've been back with Tanya and then the girls. And to have. Myself and Tanya, you know, and then Faye and Kelsey, and then have Sharon had come with Andrea Dobson and, and Kyle Amor. The only thing that was missing was switching out Robbie for somebody else, but... Well, I, I mean, we, we all want a perfect world, but, you know, we, we, can't, yeah. we can't have everything you'd like. No, no, but I think as far as, you know, as, as far as the women's games come in and, and, and getting more women involved, you know, it was a pretty, pretty good effort, that. Um... And, you know, I think Andy's fantastic at co-coms. She's so good at what she does. And I think Kyle's really made a name for himself in the women's game and, and, comment, and commentating on it. Um, I think he's wicked as well. And then hopefully, do you know, the BBC are just, they're building to the World Cup, aren't they? So they're trying out. And I think the BBC would like for the women's games it to be a women's team. And then in some of the men's teams and the wheelchair teams to have elements of having women in there. So... It's not trial and error because it's a big game to, to try women out on. But oh, of course. We're, we're getting a little we're getting a little pocket now of which is quite worrying for me because you know I'm quite an enjoy, I've been enjoying being one of the few women that get to do this. So you know oh, yeah. I had a bit of a new different role on Saturday for the BBC and I was doing all the, the analysis and the Piero and I had an open top back in my ear which pff, that's a whole new level of. I've got a few voices in my head, but and, and, and now now you, you can appreciate how how hard it is for the, the likes of the professional people think you just turn up and you present prop and mm-hmm. it's just you know but you know the the likes of Tanya Arnold and Mark Chapman and Brian Carney and they went this that and the other Helen Skelton Alan Hills they make it look easy because they are really good at it. You know what? Thing. Every single time I do something like this is I learn so much and I'm super overwhelmed every time I do it and I'm just like Firstly, I'm like, why me? But second, I'm like, this is a lot more difficult than people make out. And it's a lot more, it's like, 
the only thing I can refer to is like being on stage and you come on, if you have this massive adrenaline burst and all of a sudden, an hour later, you crash and burn. Do you, do you have it? Sorry, do you have imposter syndrome? Massively, yeah. yeah so badly. So, so badly. You know, that's, that, that's, the, that's the craziest thing. You know, I remember my first Channel 4 appearance and Barry McDermott just texted me saying, and I was like, why is Barry McDermott texting me? You know, and yeah, I'm really struggling with it at the minute it, because the next the next few weeks, the last few weeks have been crazy. The next few weeks are crazy. And I've got one, I think I say one weekend off. I'm not I'm at, at Leeds on Sunday, but that's my only weekend off in eight weekends. Because of things I'm doing, why, what the, yeah. It, it's what I said to the, the, the people at Radio Yorkshire and they always put, one of them quotes it back to me and says, enjoy it while you've got this opportunity because you never know when it won't be there anymore. Which is why I'm grabbing on by just doing this Or when you annoy somebody and you say something too controversial and you get kicked off. Well, I mean... <laughs> and you've not got Phil Kaplan to, to, to write all your replies for <laughs> you. <laughs> Well, it's not doing John Wilkin any harm at the moment. I know. Um, we're running out of time. I'm sure there's something else I was going to say to you, but I can't remember what it was now. So it can't be, you know, that important. But, um, you know, oh, yeah. Oh. Tell, 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 you, tell you people, come on, come on our programme. You know, we're always welcome to, for new guests. I know you, and we do appreciate you coming on because you're a famous celebrity now. But yeah, it's like, it's like a podcast, you know, so... I always know where I began. Don't ever worry about that. And don't forget, at the end of this week, you'll be able to read both of these lovely people in the new issue of Forks 20 magazine, which I'm uh, hey, contractually This is two months in a row I've been on time. I know. <laughs> I've got no idea what to write about next month. So it's only because my fat hand was forced on Saturday, but... I'm well, yeah. But, you know, it's good, isn't it? It's good. So the magazine's out on this week. Yep. And remind me to remind me to send you a piece from the Radio Times as well, which you might want to feature in your column next month. The Radiotomy is wonderful. Ex extolling um, rugby league. Wow! Look at the Radio Times. Here. It's too too big, too expensive. Danica, thank you. We'll see you on the telly. Um, I, I might go to Heading in a couple. You, are you still doing that thing at Heading with Matt Horton, that fella? Oh, I'll, 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 I'll see you for that double heading in a couple of weeks. Uh, Phil, thank you as ever. Um, join us again for more controversial opinions on Rugby League next week when uh, it might just be me and Phil because you know, I can't get any guests anymore. Rugby League on Radio Yorkshire with Mark Wilson. Talking sensible with Mark Wilson agreeing. Mm, Nineteen must, must be something. Must be something in the uh, in the tea at the Bulls. We'll clip that bit out. Rugby League on Radio Yorkshire at RL on RY. Sports Social Podcast Network.